It demands that we tell sinners the whole truth. We will not go quietly into the night. Christian Cornerstone Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Cornerstone Podcast. Um, I'd like to welcome you guys into this little party that we're doing today. You see, um, this is, uh, we're going over, what do you say, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's down in the details. Um, we actually got a lot, I'm really excited about this one, it's kind of personal, but before we get into this, I want to encourage you guys, check out christiancornerstone.org, check out our archives, uh, go to our website, uh, or Facebook, dot, or go to our Facebook page, uh, which you're probably seeing this video, and, uh, you know, like, subscribe, share, you know, put that out there, basically, you know, spam your Facebook page with our content uh, and get the word out there let people know and you know for those of you who are interested in a study who are lacking in who don't have time to go to church um, who haven't found a church whatever it is you're hoping to provide this uh, study for you to kind of help encourage your faith walk and uh, to help you continue uh, with that as well also if you do not like watching these videos you're welcome to check out our audio recordings that you can find on anchor.fm Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, any other podcasting channel that you can possibly think of. Uh, through this, uh, you can listen to an audio format. You can listen on the go, listen while you're on the run, listen in the shower, in the kitchen, uh, whatever you're doing. You can listen to these broadcasts. Uh, they come out once a week as of now, looking to get a couple more out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's what's going on. And any questions, comments, concerns as far as what's going on with this ministry, feel free to contact us, christiancornerstone.org. Um, also, Cornerstone mentors this is a still brand new website uh, and still there's not too much on there but if you'd like to contact us that way you're more than happy to it's a small small social community network and again that's cornerstone mentors for those of you listening to the audio here uh, cornerstonementors.org um, the purpose of that the social network is essentially to number one be a place uh, you know a, a, a solid place in which the followers of this ministry can contact the ministry team um, and you know rather than having some uh, stuff on YouTube stuff on Facebook some on our uh, apps you know website you know multiple different locations for communicating we want one solid source so that's kind of why we uh, put this together as well as a means for the community to interact with the community you know share some brainstorming theological ideas you know put some blog posts up there whatever you personally feel like it you know it, to, to help your spiritual growth and as this ministry continues to to grow as we continue to get more resources uh, out there uh, it would be, be very helpful one of the aspects we're working on covering is a student uh, platform or a student dashboard if you wish you know to to uh, build your understanding through theological courses um, that will be more than happy to provide and share. You know, some will be free, some will be paid. It depends on the content, depends on the res or the source. So, without further ado, let's actually get this party started. We're getting into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a very, very popular, very popular chapter in the entire Bible to the Christian community. Why? Because it gives a description of love which I have a really big problem with. I really do. Um, I, you know, in, in one of the studies I've done, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna try, I, I really can't avoid this because this is essentially the topic we're talking about in this broadcast. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've shared in the past many times 
that one of the studies I've done was over if God is love, if the Bible itself is a love letter to the Christian, what does this love look like? Um, so, and what I've kind of concluded here is that 1 Corinthians 13 is not an exhaustive means, it is not an exhaustive description of love. Uh, which we'll get into that, and and I and I'm not going to go over that too much because you know we've had a couple other podcasts, and again I'm writing it in this book I'm working on, um, so you kind of get a little bit more insight. But what's rather interesting about this is love. Think about that. I I've, I've went over this in the past. Again, it's a, it's something I have a really hard time uh, getting over, but you'll really find um, you'll really find it convicting. Um, what else? Or what do we want? Challenging, I guess. Uh, it'll it'll under, it'll it'll mess with your understanding of love when you really look into the text. And when I say with that, um, and I want to kind of lead with this, and then we'll get into the reading, is that there's at least three different uh, words that are being used for love within the within the biblical text, uh, which we've went over with in the past. There's a phileo love, which is the brotherly love. There's uh, eros, uh, sexual love. And then there's a agape, which is a godly love. Now, this, I believe, is what is going on here. Uh, you know, in the same word, agapeo, or uh, agape, we'll go with that, the English translation of that word, but it, it is Greek, and it is a divine love. It, it is something so supernatural. I mean, you don't see this word understood until Jesus comes on the scene. And, you know, again, there's so much we can go in this. I'm going to try to focus on this chapter here. But in this here, Jesus, he taught this kind of love. When he says to love your neighbor as yourself, he's talking about an agape love. When he says uh, to love one another by this, the people will know that you are my disciples. He's talking about an agape love. When he asks Peter, Peter, my, my dear Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Three times he's saying, do you agape me? Do you love me with a godly love? And three times Peter responds back with, I love you as a brother. I don't love you as perfect as I should, but Lord, teach me is essentially what that is saying. But it's interesting because he finds this out in... Um, he finds this out at the day of Pentecost. You see his character has changed. He's went from this follower this leader follower to this leader to this bold man he says you know to this jesus in which you crucified that's the first time you see him making any sort of accusations within the text but it's beautiful because you know i'm convinced at the day of pentecost is when when the holy spirit came upon them the individ the indwelling of uh, of the spirit, you know, the, uh, living with them in them. That's when Peter really understood what it meant to love. More so, we have John in his epistle, in First John chapter four. He talks about love. He talks about an agape love, and he talks about a love that he says that if anybody, let me actually switch over to that chapter real quick if I can find it here. Uh, Ephesians, I don't have tabs in this Bible, so I've got to flip over a bunch of different chapters, a bunch of different writings, just to find little old John. And I think we're kind of getting close here. You know what? I really don't know. Peter, 
There we go. There's Johnny Boy. All right, those are going to hear the flipping of these pages. Let's make it a little louder. All right, so beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, I want to stop right there, because this isn't our text we're working on, but every time you hear the word love within this, and in the first John chapter 4, and again, this word is used all throughout the text, but this one is specifically, when it comes to loving one another, this is a verse that's, that's used, but it's not necessarily understood, I don't think. Because when it says God, when it says let us love one another, it says let us agape. Beloved, let us agape, let us, let us love with an agape love, a godly love to one another, for this godly love is from God. And whoever loves in a godly manner has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not have this godly love does not know God because God is agape. Now that is not saying that the essence of God is love. What that's saying is that's an attribute of his holiness. In fact, um, I, I have a really big problem myself when people say, when people use God as love, and, and when we, we preach it so, so much, because yes, Absolutely. I'm not going to argue that the Christian character is to be done out of love, to speak truth out of love, to care for another out of love, to listen out of love. And everything else that we are to do is to do out of love. But this is an agape love. And what John is saying here is you can have uh, this eros, this is you know a sexual love. You can have phileo, which is a, a brotherly love. But if you do not have this agape love, that is evidence that you don't know God because this is a love that comes straight from the source, the Father himself. So, with that being said, this is also the same love in which we're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, I haven't necessarily talked to any sort of theologian on this matter, so I can't really confirm my theories or my understandings of this, uh, but my, my, my idea is here that because um, it, this, this love that's being talked about, this agape love, is the same love being used here in First, First Corinthians chapter 13, my theory is, is, not, is that Paul is not specifically talking just about love. I mean, this is probably most likely, based on the context of what, what's going on here, this is true. But you could reword this, because if John is saying God is love, God is agape love, we could probably reword this to say that, um, you know, that these, these texts is saying that God is patient, God is kind, God is not arrogant, he does not boast. And this is just kind of a theory. But what's going on here is, is Paul is combating uh, a false practice of religion, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, What's going on here is he's he, he's he's uh, Corinthian. The people of Corinth are are so filled with, or mixed. They have people who have come in from a pagan world and are now Christians, and, uh, a pagan religion to converting to the Christian faith. So they're trying to separate themselves from their old way of life to this new way of life. But as doing such or by doing such, they've kind of mixed it up, much like Constantine did with the Catholic faith. Um, we have uh, yeah. we have 
Paul, he's addressing uh, dangers and, and false understandings, false practices. You see, these people were so focused as we look in the previous chapter. We're not going to read the whole thing here. We're not even going to read it at all. But these people were using their spiritual gifts, uh, more specifically the gift of tongues, as a prominent means to support holier than thou. And much like we have today in some charismatic move, in the charismatic movement in the Pentecostal church, uh, and a bunch of heretical uh, denominations, um, which, which which emphasize the idea that you do not have the Holy Spirit unless you can speak in tongues. I find that very, very scary. You know, their evidence they they profess that it, you know, all believers who have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, should be able to speak in tongues. We have so much that we've got the, I don't even remember what the church is called, the Supernatural Church or something, Bethel's, uh, not the church, the the school. Bethel, Bethel Church has a school uh, of supernatural uh, ministry or, or something like that, in, in which they, they teach you spiritual gifts from what I've been told. And there's a problem with that. The problem is you cannot learn these spiritual gifts. This is something God gives you. I have a friend of mine, she's got a gift. Very wonderful gift. And I'm very, quite honestly, a little bit jealous. I mean, I, I, I know for whatever reason, there's a reason God did not give it to me. Um, I'm not arguing that, but I, I, you know, the gift that she has, I'm like, you know, that'd be really cool. That'd be really cool to have that. I don't have that. I've got a different gift. Um, a, you know, a gift of, of preaching, and there's this was the chaos that was going on. You know, the we're speaking mindless babble, and they were saying that this is evidence. This is evidence that I am a born again. This is evidence that the Spirit of God is upon me. And I believe it was either Aristotle, is one of the philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, one of them. Uh, I remember hearing this quote some time ago that they were saying that their ideas was that you're not in tune with the gods uh, if unless you're wailing on the floor in a chaotic manner. Uh, and this is what the, the people of Corinth are, are demonstrating. They're, they're, they're attempting to get closer to their gods. And this... This pagan uh, culture in which they come from, this you know, they they still know it. They still think that this is the way we are supposed to do it, or this is the way we get into you know this is how we got in touch with this god that we once worshipped. But now, how do we get in touch with this other god, this Christian god? Well, it must be the same means. So let's go flail on the floor and go you know speak in mindless gibberish, which is exactly what the tongues are today. See, and I'm not going to focus too much on this. But I think in the context, it's important that we go over this a little bit. Uh, tongues is, is a, in, the, in the original text, tongues is a known language. It is, it is, it is unknown to the speaker. For example, I'm a white man. I'm an Irish man. I'm a German. Well, I'm, you can't really see the German too much in there. I don't know a lick of any other language at all. I know... Um, I know how to speak English. That's about it. But I don't know Spanish. I don't know um, what is it? Greek. I'm working on that. I'm actually. I'm, I'd like to know that. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Aramaic. 
Um, what other ones? German, French. It's really all I can think of right now. Canadians, nope, they speak French too. Um, whatever else you can possibly think of. I don't speak those languages. I don't know a single one of them. I only know English. So for me to go off and blurt out Chinese, uh, Japanese, there's another one, um, or Spanish or something like that, that is what would identify it as a miracle or as a spiritual gift. Because I don't know a lick of it. I don't. I couldn't even tell you hello in French. Ah, I could tell you hello. But I couldn't hold a conversation. I can't tell you jack squat. And that's what makes it a spiritual gift. It's unknown to the speaker, but known to the listener. Now, tongues itself is a dead language. Now, I, in, in the world, we have third world countries who, you know, might not, might not, uh, might experience something like this. I'm not going to knock that because, well, I don't have enough understanding of it. But tongues itself is kind of a pointless language anymore, because in that generation. In that era, when when this was going on, you know, we had a bunch of people of different languages, different nations, tribes, and tongues, and they were. It was necessary for a Hebrew, a Jewish man, to go off and speak uh, Indonesian or, or or French, which I don't think there was any French back then, but to speak another language because you had all of these people congregating into a place you know for Passover for Pentecost and then you also had the greatest command to go out to all nations making disciples baptizing in the name of the Father Spirit and the Son so it was needed I need to speak to you in your language and the Father himself is going to give me that ability it's 2019 we have so many uh, language English to my understanding is becoming the universal language in fact, in Germany, I have a friend over there. He says, it's like, yeah, we have to learn English in school. So this is kind of something that English itself is, is becoming the dominant language of the world. Tongues itself is an idea to relate language and have it be translated or interpreted to the listener. We already have that today. It's being done. So the, it's a dead language. But what... Paul is stressing here is because they were using this as a means to identify with their holiness. Paul is basically knocking this to the curb. And here in verse chapter chapter 1 verse 3 or I'm sorry chapter 13 verse 1 we get into this reading. If I speak in the tongues of men or the angels uh, or in tongues of, of men or, or of angels but I do not have love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all the faith, uh, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I can give all that I have and be delivered up and deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I have gained nothing. And I want to stop right there. What's he saying? Now, keep in mind this idea of, uh, if I can speak in the, in, in the tongues or the languages of men um, or of angels and of angels, that's metaphorical. Because we look in the text, and when an angel speaks to the individuals, they're not speaking in some sort of babbling foreign language. They're speaking in a language that's known to the individual. 
So if there is a language that is of the angels, we don't know it. It's a metaphorical thing, you know, because this is what they were dealing with in, in Corinth. You had these people talking, you know, trying to speak in tongues, you know, in a, in a, in a, a mindless means. But Paul is saying here is that everything that you guys are trying to do to obtain this holiness, to show your holiness to the others, this is pointless because you're not doing it out of love. More specifically, you're not doing it out of a love for the other individual. But you're doing it for your self-edification. You see, we can do all sorts of things. As Christians, we can, and even non-believers, even non-believers can give to charity, to feed the hungry, to help the poor, open their doors up, you know, provide, uh, you know, a, a meal, you know, donate money, or just be kind. They can, they can do all of this. The same attributes or the same kindness that a Christian can do. But the thing is, most of the time, these individuals, you know, they might have it on their thoughts of caring for another person. But what satisfaction is there if you're performing these good deeds if you're outside of the body of Christ what satisfaction is there it's a satisfaction of yourself because you're not doing it just to help somebody else out but you're doing it to show look at me and even you might not even say it but a week down the road a month Perhaps even a year later, you're going to look back on that event that you did last year around Christmas time when you gave your $20, $50, whatever it is that you're doing to the Salvation Army buckets. You see that as your good deed. And you say, I'm a good person. Look what I did. Look what I'm doing. And you're doing it more for yourself. But what Paul is saying here is if I don't have this agape love, it's the same, same word that's being used. If I don't do any of this, if I have this stuff and I don't have agape love, then I am a noisy, clanging symbol. It's, it's meaningless. If I have these prophetic powers and I understand all the mysteries and all of the knowledge and all the understanding, and if I have all of the faith so as to move the mountains, but I do not have an agape love, this godly love, then I am nothing. I am empty. If I give it away to be delivered up and burned, but I do not have this godly love, I am nothing. Why is he saying that? Is he nothing? He, he's performing these good deeds. He's helping feed the poor. He's, he's helping the homeless. He's healing the sick. But what is he doing if he's not doing it out of a godly love? He's doing it for himself. And what, his, what Paul is saying here is, my, my deeds that I do, they're meaningless. They're, they're, they're nothing. They're, they're, they're a sham. As we stress a lot, uh, Isaiah 64, verse 6, all our good deeds are like filthy rags to the Lord. So even our, our, our love that we give to one another... If it is an eros, a sexual love, if it is a phileo love, a brotherly love, it is 
It is nothing. You gain nothing besides your own satisfaction. That's why it's important to have this godly love, this agape love, because when you have this, you're not doing, you're not doing these things, these same actions out of, a, out of a love for the individual and a self-satisfaction. No, you're doing this out of a love for the individual and a godly satisfaction to please the Father above, to give Him the glory. I could be doing this ministry, I could be doing these podcasts, and I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing it for me. All this fame, all this fortune, uh, you know, all these numbers, of these followers that are going up. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything if I don't have love. If I don't have this godly love. I gotta tell you this, my friends. If I was doing this for some sort of self-satisfaction, for some sort of fame and fortune, I would have quit years ago. But I don't. I don't quit because I'm not in it for the money. Now, I can't deny I would love to have this be a career that I do. I would love to love this to be my full-time job. But I do this because I love the Word of God. I love his truth. And my desire, my desire is to help give a better understanding to the scriptures, to what God has to say to the individual. My job is to help lead people out of the darkness and away from false practices much like Paul is doing with these people in Corinth he's correcting them, he's giving them a rebuke and he says you guys are doing this all for meaningless gain you've really lost sight you're doing this for nothing and what he says here is this, you know, I, I, if I do all of this out of love, or without love, I have nothing. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you what love is, my friends. And again, this is godly love. Paul tell, continues on as he tells the people of Corinth. He says, this love is patient. And this love is kind. It is... A love that does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant or rude. Think about that. I want to stop right there for a minute. I've heard this being said, uh, when I first heard this, it was being, it was done as a means for a daughter. It was just a little post, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, before you get into a relationship, Check this out. If you want a good, godly relationship, test your friend or test your desired your desired other half, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, against the Bible. And here's how you can do this. And the same thing can be done for yourself. Ask yourself. You put, you put yourself or put somebody's name in place of love. Because if we're to do everything out of love, if the love of God is supposed to be dwelling in us, then we are supposed to have these fruits. Now, I'm going to make this perfectly clear. You're not going to have these all at once. 
it comes with a sanctification. So if there's something where you see yourself downfalling, but you see yourself being lifted up in another verse or another wording, don't take too hard on it. If you're part of the body of Christ, you are continuously growing in this. I'm going to put myself in there as an example. Bill is patient. Bill is kind. I got to tell you, for tell you, my friends, I have a really hard time with patience, and it usually comes with ideas, thoughts, what I want to do, what I don't want to do. Uh, patience itself is a really hard one for me to grasp, because I always want to be doing something, and I always want to help people. I, I want to see these changes happen. And it's very difficult for me, even though I've went through this myself, it's very difficult for me to see somebody at step one when I want to see them at step five or ten. Love is patient. Bill is kind. Bill does not envy and he does not boast. He is not arrogant or rude. Can you guys picture that? Can you put yourself or a loved one in there? Can you say that so-and-so is patient, they are kind, they do not envy, they do not boast, they are not arrogant or rude? How about this? It does not, or they do not, insist on their own ways. They are not irritable or resentful, and they do not rejoice in wrongdoings and sin. But they rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things, or in other words, you know, Bill bears all, bears all things. Well, we're going to put love back into play here. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and even endures in all things. And that's one we really need to recognize too is our endurance. We as Christians, this has been on my mind for the past few days with this idea with uh, Kanye West coming out uh, as a as a Christian. I'm not I'm not entirely convinced. But only time will tell. You see there's a a, a parable a parable of the seeds. Um Jesus tells us that there's a couple different a couple different types of ground. There's a rocky soil, there's a shallow soil, and there's a deep, rich soil. This is the believer. The soil is the believer. And the seed itself is the gospel. And what it says here is, uh, you know, what, what the point of this is, when they go through all of these conditions, this, the, this, this, this soil was, uh, was all in the same region, the same location. So when the, cedar, when the uh, seed spreader is spreading his seeds... It, some of it's spreading on this hard, this hard rocky ground, others on shallow dirt, and others on a rich, good soil. Same place. Same, same environment, same endurance that they have to go through, or the same trials. The seed is the gospel. So what's being said here is the gospel message is coming to these people, and there's only three kinds of, there's three kinds of people, actually I think there's a fourth one. Yeah, thorns, I think that's another one as well. But what's going to happen is only one of them is going to produce. When it goes through the heat, the hardships, the, the toils and trials that happen, some of those are going to grow up fast and they're going to dry up and die away. Other ones are not even are going to be choked away and strangled and not be able to grow, not be able to flourish because they're going to be choked away by the thorns. But meanwhile, you have the Word of God who comes on this good soil 
and these are the chosen people, the elect, the Christians, the real believers, when they go through these hardships, when they go through these weathers, these trials, these, temp these temptations and everything that comes into play with being a Christian, and they still continue to grow, this shows the evidence this is a true believer. This Christian bears all things, they endure all things, they believe in all things, and they even hope in all things. They hope for a future, a longing for the time in when Christ will come to this world and He will raise us up in our glory and He will bring judgment on the earth. This is ultimately what the Christian longs for. They long for the end. They long to be with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Love never ends. This is an agape love. Keep that in mind. This agape love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. They will have an end. As for knowledge, it will pass away. All of it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, this is the perfect love, or the perfect father, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Because the perfect is something that's been made complete. And we can't be made complete unless we're made complete in godly love. As we found out already, as we read in the beginning of the study here in John, he tells us that if anybody does not have this love, they are not of God. They do not know God. Likewise, Paul is saying something similar here, it would appear, is that this, this partialness, this, this incompleteness that humankind has, this is all going to come to an end. But what is going to continue on, even into our afterlife, is the perfect love from God. See, and here's something that I, I think this next part itself is something I think is worth taking a look at. Verse 11, verse 11 through 12, 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Stop right there. I'll be quite honestly, it's very difficult for me to comprehend the mind of a child anymore. I'm 30 years old. I've matured enough. Uh, I'm uh, past the childish age that I can't really tell you how a child thinks. I can tell you what a child looks like. I can tell you how a child reasons. In fact, I remember my niece, and she does a really good job with childish reasoning. She's 11 years old. Uh, my nephew, he too does the same. I gave up, but he, 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 he says, you know, I'm leaving these childish things behind. And this is essentially saying that this, 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 this mindless babbling, these, these false practices that you did in your pagan lifestyle when you were yet born again, when you have yet to experience a spiritual rebirth, in other words, when you were just children, didn't know any better, leave that behind. Turn away from all of that. Because I, when you were a child, that's who you were. But you are now born in the Spirit of God. It's time to grow up. 
It's time to grow up and become a man or a woman. And what Paul says is when I became a man, when I did grow up, or when I was born of the Spirit of God, I put away these childish ways. I put them away. I gave up my childish ways. In verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I have been known, been fully known. See, he comes, and Paul is essentially saying here, what it appears to be saying is that he's, he's coming into an understanding of truth. He's coming into an understanding of reality, or at least the transition from the non-believer to the baby Christian to the mature adult Christian. I grew up. I put away this, these mindless, childish things. And I seeked after truth. I seeked after the Word of God. I seeked after His understanding. And what I found, I found that all of that was nonsense. I found that if I do all of these things and I don't have love, my works are done in vain. Have you grown up? This is something I was talking to an individual um, just the other night. I asked the question, or I, I posed this challenge. This is something I would love to uh, give to a church. Uh, in fact, actually, those of you who are listening in, I'm going to give this challenge to you. Here's my theory, or my unofficial rule. This is not, there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to do this, but I would strongly encourage it. Because it seems to be played out within the Scriptures itself. You see, Jesus had three years. He had three years in His ministry. He knew it was going to happen. He had a divine schedule that he had to keep. Every single thing that he did had a purpose and a meaning and had to be done when it was done. But he had three years to teach his disciples, to teach children. To teach children how to be men. And through that time, he sends them out for their trial and errors. They come back and they give report of what has happened. They never go alone. But they're always learning. And in, in those three years, after that three years, Jesus gives them a command. He says to go out to all nations, baptizing them. Making them disciples. And that's important. I think that's one we need to recognize. Making disciples. Students. Teach them. Teach them how to obey. Baptizing them. That's what happened after three years. So my theory, my unofficial rule is, how long have you been sitting in your pews? How long have you been staying home nice and cozy? Let's say you've been a believer for five, ten years. There's been no change. You haven't, haven't started a ministry. You haven't been involved in a ministry. You just kind of give your tithing uh, every Sunday and you call it a day. It's time to grow up. 
It's time to get your hands dirty. That's my challenge. And I strongly feel for that. Because in those three years that we take to learn, those three years that we take to understand the Word of God, after that three years, we need to be doing something. But most importantly, we need to do it out of love. A love for the Father and a love for the individual, not a love for our self-satisfaction. Paul concludes with this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. Or faith, love, and hope remain. But these three, out of these three, the greatest is love. You know, you see this uh, in signs. But I don't think we necessarily fully understand that. And I want to challenge you all to, if you're listening in, do a, do a study on, on godly love, on agape love. And every time, and go, even in Jesus Christ's ministry, consider this, that in some way or another, now there was wrath, there was judgment, there was condemnation, there was convictions. I'm not going to deny that. But in every single event, every single one of them, both Old and New Testament, that God is involved in, He is doing what He does out of love, but most importantly, because He is holy, and He wants His children to be holy. That is all we have for today. Now, next week, we're going to be getting into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the thoughts on the afterlife. I hope you guys did enjoy this broadcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to put them in the comments. Check out our Facebook page, um, you know, email, whatever it is that you feel. Go to christiancornerstone.org. Or if you'd like to go ahead and throw up a feed, uh, create a profile on Christian Corner. On, I'm sorry, on cornerstonementors.org. Throw your posts up there. Throw your thoughts. Start some conversations. Have at it. You're more than welcome to do that. In fact, I strongly encourage you. Uh, to do so, even if it's just you on there, you know, throw your comments, and I'll, I'll go ahead and interact. I'll, I'll go ahead and communicate. We'll get that up there, and you know, we'll share some thoughts back and forth, and that'll be on your own little book list, your own little archive, so that you can go back to later, and you know, tell a friend, says, "Hey, you know, look at this conversation. What do you think?" So that's all we have. Um, I want to take it. Uh, you know, be sure to like, subscribe, share these uh, recordings, podcasts, everything you got with your friends, your family. Um, you know, support us if you'd like to. And, uh, you know, I really uh, I would like to wish you guys a very wonderful weekend. God bless.